Hi, I'm Amber and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Barb, Barb Woger. And she has an ER at the end of her name and you want to pronounce that, but you don't. It's just Woger. So when you're looking her up, be sure you got that right. I am the worst. Well, welcome, Barb. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be talking about my favorite thing today with you. Yes. yes, and what we're going to be talking about is magnesium, and that seems to be a really hot topic right now, and I, I'm kind of one of those people who are a little resistant to do supplements because it's like, I don't want to take pills, but this seems to be an increasing um, thing that keeps coming up that, that most of us are deficient in. Um, first of all, Dr. Barb, can you give us a background, um, like your education, why you got into this, and why you're interested in magnesium? For sure. So um, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, so I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor and I got into naturopathic medicine. I was actually doing a lot of uh, holistic nutritionist work prior to that. I had a holistic nutrition degree and I was seeing patients and I just felt I needed more in-depth knowledge. So I decided I was going to go and do naturopathic medicine. And so I went back to school and did all the uh, five years of med school. And um, here we are. And so that was really um, my passion. I had always been involved in healthcare and love it so much. Um, but during my, probably my first or second year in practice, I discovered magnesium and I was using it with patients um, quite a bit in different scenarios. And I couldn't believe some of the drastic results I saw. And I was like, wow, what is it with this mineral? Because we didn't learn much about it in school. And um, so I started getting into the research and getting all the, uh, you know, background on it. And I was just fascinated by how much this one mineral did and why we never spoke about it and why it was never talked about. It's such an under... Um, appreciated mineral I find and so I made it my mission to you know get all of this information out to people so that they could appreciate what this mineral could actually do for us health-wise um, so hence why I talk a lot about magnesium and um, but I am in private practice as well in Toronto and I mainly deal with women's hormones, stress, we do a lot of inflammation work, and of course, um, magnesium is a part of all of that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, define for me, what is a neuropath doctor? What, what, why is that different than just, you know, a regular doctor, I guess you'd say? Okay, so a naturopathic doctor is actually a, um, so we are a regulated profession. So we have to do four years of schooling with a full year of interning. Um, it's a doctorate degree. So it's basically going to medical school, um, learning about all of your allopathic medicine. So you need to understand the physiology and the biochemistry of the human body. And then we also have natural approaches and alternative complementary approaches that we uh, also are taught. And um, yeah, so it's kind of like a combo. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, um, yeah. That's very cool. I think yeah. that's probably what I would have liked to have done. Okay, so when you were in school for this, mm -hmm. and you talk about how you didn't really learn much about magnesium, right. did you learn anything about nutrition either? We did. 
We had lots of, yeah. So we learned nutrition from a very biochemical sense, but not from a mineral and vitamin sense. So we Mm -hmm. learned about cofactors and how they were implicated in certain disease processes and illnesses and stuff like that. So it was a very, we had a full, um, I would say three years of nutrition built in with um, different physiology and anatomy and biochemistry. So yeah, we were lucky enough to get that. But magnesium was never, uh, because it's a micro uh, nutrient, like a micro mineral, it's not talked about a lot. So they really focused on the big ones that, you know, the irons and the vitamin C's and the A's and the D's, um, because these are all big, huge vitamins that are also, they do a lot of stuff as well, but are much further along where like people understand what they're there for and, and why we need them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very cool because, you know, you always hear so much about how nutrition and diet is really not, you know, talked about much in med school. So I love that you had that. Um, Too bad you didn't have a little bit more of, you know, what you now learn about magnesium and other minerals, but yeah, that's good that you got that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's only, I mean, I think they're only, there's only so much that they can teach you. And then the rest, you kind of got to pick up like True. on your own, right? There's only so much time that they have with you. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, but you know what? It's, it's good because it made me, um, it made me realize the under, like, and I now also speak at the school that I went to, um, and also um, address people about magnesium and stuff. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. it made you curious uh, yeah. once you started kind of figuring out things. So, so that's really cool. Okay, yeah. so let's get into the good stuff. Okay, yes. why is magnesium so important? Just kind of give a generalization, and we'll get more specific later. Why so important? Sure. Well, I think what most people have to understand is that magnesium is involved in now in the research over 700 enzymatic reactions. So what that means is it has its hand in almost everything, whether it's hormones, whether it's thyroid, whether it's um, brain health, kidney health, um, liver health, inflammation, like it's got its hand everywhere. And it's actually a cofactor in a lot of different processes. And what that means is you need magnesium in order to do certain processes in the body. And if you don't have it, then that process is not going to work the same way. And most often that results in symptoms or signs that you know, magnesium's not doing a job or not properly because there's a deficiency. That's so interesting. Is there any other mineral or vitamin that plays as many parts that you know of? I don't know of any other vitamin or mineral that does. I mean, we have other vitamins and minerals for sure, but they have very specific, um, you know, factors like vitamin D is very immune health. And although it does overall health, it starts with the immune system, right? Um, So, and vitamin C again is more immune health. So they have their individual little components, um, but none that have as many as magnesium. And that has evolved in the research. I mean, we started with 300 
um, enzymatic reactions that it was involved in. And as they've been doing more research on this mineral, we are now at over 700. So wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So talk about some of the deficiencies. How do you know that you don't have enough magnesium? What, what, what seen like, like symptoms or, you know, those kind of things. Okay. So that's, that's, I think some of the problem with magnesium deficiencies is that a lot of the symptoms of deficiency are actually symptoms of other illnesses. And so this is why often we do not get to that root cause that there is a magnesium deficiency because it's kind of grouped into, oh, you have insomnia. And so obviously a lack of sleep and not being able to sleep is a magnesium deficiency. Joint pain, um, joint tenderness, um, any type of stiffness, arthritic, a lot of that is a magnesium deficiency. Um, insulin resistance is a magnesium deficiency. Um, so there's a lot of things that the deficiency side looks at, but are also put into other categories of illness, which is why we often miss it. And I think that's why we don't hear about magnesium in the same capacity um, because a lot of those symptoms are underlying. So mood, in, for instance, like magnesium plays a huge role when it comes to our brain health, our mood health, uh, our neurotransmitters, those types of things. So yeah, it's, I mean, I could list so many different deficiencies and, um, you know, you could also put them in with other different types of diagnoses. So definitely, um, like I said, it has its hand in so many things and, you know, we can see those deficiencies um, when those issues are actually dealt with and we know it was a magnesium issue. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in your practice, mm -hmm. what is one thing that you've seen where magnesium seemed to have helped the situation that most people would be going Oh, that's weird. Or, or something that even surprised you, maybe. What is one of those, you know, kind of out of the box things that you would just not associate it with? Well, I can tell you, I, the first two times I used magnesium, I'll go back to my when I first started, and um, I had two cases, and one of them was an ADHD case, and one of them was a um, insulin resistance case, and it was um, the the insulin resistance case they had tried many things. They had gone to many um, different practitioners. Um, they had done a lot of different uh, types of therapies, but yet they were still having this problem with insulin resistance. And I was like, and I had quickly done a, a couple of researches before the patient came in. And I came across this research that magnesium um, sensitizes the insulin receptors. So it makes the insulin receptors more receptive to insulin. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I just gave this woman um, magnesium and what would happen? And she also had some cholesterol issues. And magnesium also helps with cholesterol um, because it it's an enzyme that blocks the um, coenzyme that uh, makes cholesterol. So basically when we take a statin, it's blocking an enzyme so that your body doesn't make this cholesterol and so does magnesium. But um, and insulin resistance and cholesterol are often together. So I gave this woman magnesium and we started really low. We started um, at a 200 milligram dose and we didn't see anything dramatic. And then I increased the dose to 400 milligrams and 
she was like, I don't feel hungry all the time. Her, she had like, we tried intermittent fasting with her. She couldn't go more than six hours and she would become shaky and she would want a food. And you knew there was some type of insulin response happening. And all of a sudden she was fasting 12 hours. We were going 16 hours. I mean, the response was so amazing. So I, I did supplement her for three months. And then we went and checked her insulin uh, markers on a blood test and they had cut in half. So her in Canada, we want to be below 50 uh, for insulin fasting insulin and she was at 100 and we got her down to 50 in three wow wow so did you change anything else i mean like during this time was it just mainly the magnesium or did you also try to change her diet or you know any other factor that might play a part she had done a lot of work before coming to see me So her diet was pretty good. It was not something that I needed to really do anything with. The only thing that we really implemented when she was able to was the intermittent fasting. So I'm sure that some of that had something to do with it as well, but it, um, we didn't get to do that right away because she couldn't fast more than six hours. So we had to go in stages. And as, as we got the magnesium into her, probably after about the first month, she was able to do 12 hours without having that, you know, craving for, you know, needing something to eat and that she would get into real, um, like shaky, um, like blood glucose issues, right? Like almost like a hypoglycemic at that time. Um, So that was my first case. And I was like, wow, this is really great. So, and I really didn't, I I thought, oh, great. It worked and, and all is good. And I really didn't look into it further after that case until I came across my second tough case with, uh, it was a um, a little boy who had ADHD and they had been again to neurologists, to, you know, dietitians, and they had seen a lot of practitioners. And again, in the research, it was like, ADHD and magnesium. And actually I, I did B6 and magnesium with um, uh, the ADHD case because in the research, it shows these two uh, components work really well together. And when I actually tested this boy's magnesium level, he was really, really low. So, um, and that is what they find with a lot of these ADHD patients is that they have very low magnesium levels. And so the hyperactivity that you see in these cases is really blunted by that magnesium B6 combo. Um, so yeah, and it, it's, it's amazing what it can do. It's just so um, fascinating when you can give such an inexpensive mineral and they don't have to go buy all this fancy stuff. Like, um, you know, and I remember her, the mother saying to me, so you just want to give magnesium <laughs> because they had already been taking B vitamins because that's a protocol for ADHD anyway. And I was like, yeah, we're going to put this in with your, your B6 and we're going to see how it works. So the B6 on its own did not do the trick. Um, it was when we added in the magnesium with the B6 that it actually um, worked out really well. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this is really something that works, 
oh my goodness, we could get all these poor kids who were just living their life like a zombie off that, you know, crappy medication and, you know, through diet and some supplementation. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's incredible. Well, and the study that I looked at, um, that I actually got it from was they had taken and they, they took, I believe it was 200 milligrams of magnesium and they did this eight weeks. Um, and they did two groups. So they did, um, a B6 and magnesium group, and then they did a magnesium and the standard medication group. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to see if they could see differences between the standard medication and just the magnesium and B6. And actually the magnesium with the standard medication saw like huge, like significant improvements in hyperactivity that they weren't getting from the medication alone. So there's even something there that's saying that that medication, even for it to work, needs to be activated by magnesium somehow in those cofactors. And when they did the magnesium MB6, then they saw, they saw less aggression, uh, less instability, less attention, like um, more attention at school. And um, they just saw the same results. So it was, that's what kind of caught my eye. I was like, well, if magnesium's helping with standard medication and aside from standard medication, there's gotta be something there. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that could be such a huge thing. Yeah. Why do you think we don't hear about this more often? Is it just because the knowledge is just flat, not there? Or is there something keeping that knowledge from being spread? I don't think that it's, keeping the knowledge, because if you go and you actually get into a lot of the research databases, it's there. The magnesium stuff is there. It's, um, they've done this research. They, I think it's just because it's a micronutrient, it's a micromineral, and we just don't assume that it does as much as it does. And like I said earlier, a lot of the symptoms of the deficiency are actually symptoms of those common illnesses or diseases. So if you have a hyperactive child, you're not thinking magnesium, right? You're thinking, okay, I need to calm this kid down. There's something obviously going on in the brain that is causing this hyperactivity. And so people just don't think about it. But, and it was my mission after, after that case is when I really got interested. And I was like, okay, there's something here. We need to get this out and to people so that, you know, they understand like this and it's not an expensive supplement, right? Like if you have to supplement, it's not expensive. It's not something that's going to, and you can get it anywhere. Um, so as long as you're getting the right form, this is the other thing, right? Mm. So, um, but anyhow, it's just, yeah, like I don't find like we don't get, it's really not information that's readily available. I think it's available. It's just not getting out there. So I've kind of made it my mission to, 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 to bring that out to the people. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, like you said, it's inexpensive and it's easy. It's and easy. if you can get off some medication, oh, that's like so incredibly worth it. I love that. And the other thing that's really great about it, because you have to worry about this, especially like with patients being on several medications and like magnesium is a fairly safe mineral. So 
interactions aren't that big. I mean, there are some. So if you're on hypothyroid medication or something like that, you always want to take it away for hours. Um, and then the only people that really have to be concerned about magnesium are people with kidney disease because magnesium is filtered through the kidneys, right? Mm. So we want to be careful with um, people that have some form of kidney disease. But it's relatively safe in the general population. It's safe in pregnancy. It's safe in breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not something that has a lot of interactions and that interacts with a lot of different medications. Win-win yeah. right there. Wow. Right? right? Uh, yeah. You know, the more I'm learning about magnesium, the more I'm like going... Okay, maybe I'm going to believe some of this because in the carnivore community, it is pretty much talked about. Same with keto. You, you do hear it, you know, as far as electrolytes, those kind of things, you know, that you need magnesium. But honestly, for me, I'm like, eh, I'm probably good. I'm not feeling anything bad. I don't really have symptoms. So I'm doing good. So I just never really paid attention to it until I keep seeing things more and more. And then I read your post and I'm like, Hmm, maybe I could be doing even better. Hmm, maybe there's something to it. Right. And, okay. Right. And, and there's something I want to uh, get into detail about because we see this way too often thyroid issues, you know, whether it's Hashimoto's or, you know, things that are even worse. Um, right. Go through how magnesium helps out. What is the science behind that? How, how, how does that help? So it helps in probably two big ways. And then it also obviously decreases the risk of any type of goiter because it works with iron um, and iodine in order to not create that um, goiter. But the two big things are is magnesium is going to increase TSH. Um, because again, it's a signal from the brain to the thyroid. And so magnesium plays a big part in our brain health and in our neurotransmitters and in the communication between the brain and the thyroid. So the first thing it does is it produces more thyroid hormone. It also then um, plays a really big part in getting T4 to convert to T3. So T4 is our inactive thyroid hormone. And we usually have a lot of that. And where the problem comes in is in the conversion. So people have trouble converting that inactive thyroid into the active thyroid which is T3. Um, so it helps to convert those, um, that, that transition and make sure that you have more of the active hormone available. So it's involved in that. Um, and then of course, it, um, if we have an autoimmune condition like thyroid, so Hashimoto's, um, because autoimmune has that underlying inflammatory component, magnesium is going to quiet that inflammation um, and also help those thyroid hormones do the conversion that it needs to do. Because if we can't, if the thyroid is sending multiple like signals, let's go, let's go, let's go, we're going to see TSH starting to go up because it's not responding, right? So our, our brain is sending it, but our thyroid's not responding. Um, and so then we have trouble sometimes even making T, like getting that T4 into the T3. And so of course we see, you know, lower levels of T3, which is going to decrease energy, slow things down, slower metabolism. Um, and then we're going to also see antibodies if we're talking autoimmune. And those antibodies are just a sign saying that 
the immune system is on high alert all the time and there's this inflammatory mm. process. And so we always want to look at antioxidant support, which magnesium is as well, as well as, of course, your A's and your C's and your E's and zinc and those kinds of things. Yeah. So they all kind wow. of work together. Yeah. That, that is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, I know that there's, you know, your standard stuff for thyroid, like iodine and selenium and zinc. And those are important too. I'm not saying that they're not, but a lot of the times the magnesium is not included in those, in that thyroid group. And yet it's so important in making those conversions happen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That, that's huge. Okay. So another thing um, you talk a lot about is how important magnesium is for women's health. And specifically, let's talk about estrogen and also things like PCOS. I, I, I hear so many people talking about getting diagnosed with PCOS. That's huge. I mean, yeah. what's going on? Um, okay. So when we're dealing with PCOS, we're seeing insulin resistance a lot of the time. So we see this underlying um, inflammation that's happening. And then we see this insulin resistance and this is often causing weight gain. It's often causing, um, you know, hormonal imbalances, especially with testosterone and estrogen. And so as a result, we're then seeing, you know, missed periods, no periods, infertility, um, weight gain, um, hair growth, those kinds of things. So the first thing that magnesium does is it deals with insulin resistance. So it has this special relationship with insulin and it makes the insulin receptors more sensitive. And so it helps actually a magnesium deficiency creates an insulin resistance response. Um, so be, yeah. So if we're deficient, we are more prone to have insulin resistance happening in the system. So we really like that that's the big underlying um, component that's happening in PCOS. Um, so we want to make sure that we are addressing that insulin resistance and uh, magnesium is definitely on the list for that. Um, it's going to also, a lot of PCOS patients have elevated cortisol because they're stressed, they're anxious because, mm. you know, all this stuff is happening to them. Um, and magnesium is going to come in and kind of slow that nervous system down, slow down that production of um, your norepinephrine and epinephrine and cortisol and kind of let that system just ride so that we're not sitting on elevated cortisol. Because again, elevated cortisol is going to increase your insulin uh, resistance. And so it's a vicious circle, right? It just kind of goes all over. Um, but the most important part is the stress, the anxiety, and the inflammation, as well as the insulin resistance. And magnesium touches on all of those um, because, you know, especially with the stress and anxiety, um, magnesium, it, it goes towards the GABA receptors in the brain. And the GABA receptors are very calming and very... Um, uh, inhibitory. So it's not excitatory uh, neurotransmitter. And so it causes that relaxation. So mm -hmm. you can really nail four big things with one um, supplement. And wow. often magnesium is not part of a PCOS picture. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm seeing more and more. I need to start up with magnesium. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what about estrogen? Get, get into some of like the hormones a little bit more. 
Okay, so um, magnesium, so what's important about estrogen is there's two things, how we metabolize estrogen in the body, and then of course, um, estrogen dominance. Um, so estrogen dominance happens when we either have a imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, or we have we can't clear out estrogen properly. So it starts to get recycled into the system and then it kind of just builds and we, we start having more estrogen than we really should. Um, and so what magnesium is involved in is we need uh, phase two detoxification. There's an enzyme, COMPT enzyme, and that is responsible for methylating or getting rid of your estrogen. And if that is not working, we are not getting rid of that estrogen um, and magnesium is the superstar there in having that comp enzyme work and there's a lot of individuals that have a deficiency in that comp enzyme and they have that increased est um, estrogen in the system so it's very good at estrogen detoxification um, it's very good at regulating estrogen to progesterone um, and these are important concepts because i mean if we have poor estrogen metabolism and poor estrogen detoxification this leads to like serious things like it can even lead down to breast cancer cervical cancer ovarian mm -hmm. cancer these are all involved in estrogen dominance as well as things like endometriosis or fibroids or like those types of things right so um so magnesium plays a big role in that detoxification process um more so even if, I don't know if you, um, we run a, a Dutch test is what we call it here. It's a, a dried urine hormone test. So it can tell us if COMPT is working or not. It tells us how they metabolize estrogen and how much estrogen is getting out. Um, and in the test itself, it specifically states that it needs magnesium to make that go. Um, hmm. So yeah, so it's, it's really, really critical. So usually when I see an estrogen dominant picture in practice, it's one of the first supplements I give because I know wow. they're not clearing it properly. Um, huh. And they don't have a good balance. They don't have a good ratio between estrogen and progesterone. And magnesium is going to improve that ratio um, so that it's more balanced instead of it being kind of estrogen up here, progesterone down here kind of thing. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So you said, you mentioned that magnesium is one of those uh, supplements that rarely cause issues with anything. Is, is there any way that by taking magnesium, it can do the opposite of what you just said, or does it, it, it doesn't work that way? Like you, even if you take too much, will it throw it off balance the other way? I guess is what I'm asking. No, because, so this is why we can't, um, or we have to be careful with people with who have kidney disease because mm. how we excrete magnesium is through the kidneys, right? So mm. you'll kind of just like excrete it through there. Um, but unfortunately, if we look at, okay, so if you took too much magnesium, the most common biggest side effect is loose stool. So you would have a very loose stool, maybe even diarrhea if you really overdid it. But as soon as you cut back, it's it, that's it. Like you would just stop the next day and, and it, it kind of like regulates itself. So that would be the biggest um, side effect that you would see from having too much magnesium. But if we look at how magnesium is 
deficient, like how we become deficient in magnesium, we can see that that is a really hard thing to do. Like it's a really hard Mm. thing to have too much magnesium um, because we deplete magnesium so quickly. So if we're stressed, we're going through our magnesium stores really fast. And if we're not supplementing or getting enough of the dietary magnesium into us, we're not, it's going to start to go down and we're going to become deficient. If we sweat, because magnesium is part of our electrolyte balance, right? So when we sweat, we're losing magnesium. So if you do go to the sauna or you do have a lot of hot flashes, if you're menopausal or something like that, or if you go and work out, right? Like you're sweating, you're going to lose magnesium. If you like sugar, you're going to blow through magnesium stores like crazy because it takes 54 molecules of magnesium um, to do one molecule of sugar. So if you are a sugar addict, you're blowing through magnesium like crazy, right? So then, of course, there's the medications. So the PPIs and... um, you know, the um, beta blockers and corticosteroids and any and, and antibiotics, these guys are all depriving um, us of our magnesium stores. So and you know, some of these medications people are on all the time. So there's that. And then of course, our our soils, our soils are not where they used to be. I mean, we don't have the nutrients in our soils, the way that we did through because, you know, now we have all these farming practices that have, you know, kind of gotten rid of that. And people often go, oh, well, I eat organic. Well, that's all great. But organic still doesn't have the same nutrients as it did, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. And so we're not getting as much dietary magnesium. And we can't really like replete our sources. So, you know, you're going to be deficient quite quickly. (laughs) Um, And so that is why I rarely ever find somebody who like takes too much. I mean, obviously, if you're going to sit there and take a thousand milligrams of magnesium, you may have loose stool. I am telling you that right now, (laughs) but it's not something that's going to kill you. Um, You will just need to back that up and, you know, you'll be fine. Wow. (laughs) And that was one of my questions was how do you become uh, deficient in it? What are some sources? So that, that was awesome. Um, Okay. And I'll, you've kind of answered this, but um, maybe if you can go in a little bit more detail. Um, It's believed in the carnivore community for the most part that because you're eating such nutrient dense foods, and this could apply to keto too, depending on how you do it. um, Why would you need to supplement anything? Because it's nutrient dense. So why would say specifically a carnivore need to supplement magnesium? So, I'll speak directly to a carnivore diet, but this actually is for all diets, Um, whether you are a plant-based or a carnivore diet. And it goes back to our nutrients in our food and in the animals. So if you're a carnivore diet and you're eating grass-fed meat, for instance, um, those cows are still eating the same grass that's being like the nutrients that are in the soil today, the the food that they are consuming that is grass-fed don't have the same nutrients as it did 20 years ago. So remember, we are getting what they are eating, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why we want to do grass-fed and antibiotic-free and hormone-free because we don't want to have all that. 
anything that that animal eats or gets is transferred to us. So because those nutrients aren't there in the soil in the, and the grass doesn't have the same uh, makeup as it did 20 years ago, or even the grains, if you are eating grain fed stuff, it's not the same. And so we are not getting the same amount of, um, in this case, magnesium as we did 20 years ago. I mean, if I had to give you an example, um, if you wanted to eat let's say broccoli, and you wanted to get your magnesium stores, you would need to eat 12 cups of magnesium, or oh, sorry, of broccoli to get your magnesium. Who does that? Uh, not I, me. <laughs> right. And you can't do that. And so unfortunately, in most diets and carnivore as well, because again, we are eating what that animal is eating, what that animal is getting in nutrition is being transferred to us. And if it's lacking, it's going to be lacking in us. And that's the problem. And then of course, even if you did get just to the brim of getting the right amount of magnesium per day, look how fast we're getting rid of it. So unless you live in a tent with no stress, no sweating, no medications, no sugar, I mean, you might retain some, but look at all the things magnesium has to do. So it's being used up quite quickly, right? Mm. Oh, so, yeah. Very well yeah. put. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. complete sense. And yeah. so is it your belief after doing so much research and seeing it in your own practice that pretty much everyone should be doing at least a little bit of supplementation for magnesium? I think so. I think, well, you can also get tested. So let's, let's just quickly talk about that. Um, I, if somebody is resistant, I always say, okay, you know what, let's run the test. Let's see where you are. But what I don't recommend, there's two magnesium um, serum tests. There's one that's just called magnesium, and it really just looks at what's in the um, periphery, like the circulation. And that's only 1% of magnesium. So it's not a reliable blood test. What we want to look at is the RBC magnesium serum test. And this is going to give us a much better, um, a much better outlook on what your body is actually doing with magnesium. And when we look at those numbers, we can see that a lot of them are deficient. I think I've had two patients who were just barely over the, um, the normal range. Yeah. So most people are below. Um, so that is the test that I definitely recommend that you would get. Um, so you know what, if you want to test, go test and then you supplement to, to that. But I do think that, a supplement of magnesium is definitely um, important because here, we didn't speak about this, but it's really important. We're also, most of us are deficient in vitamin D. Why is that? Mm -hmm. It's because magnesium needs to be activated in the liver by, like vitamin D needs to be activated by magnesium in the liver. If that, that doesn't happen, even if you take vitamin D3, which is the active form of vitamin D, your liver still must activate that vitamin in order for it to be used. Magnesium is that cursor. And so we wonder why so many people are vitamin D deficient. 
Mm. And we see the deficiency side on magnesium and these two mm. must go together. So if you're deficient in vitamin D, you're going to be deficient in, in magnesium because wow. you don't have this to activate this. Um, mm. And so it becomes very important. And another thing I want to really emphasize is that glutathione, which is our master antioxidant in the body, if we don't have magnesium, we don't have glutathione. And glutathione is really, really important um, in our health um, as an antioxidant. And so for those two reasons alone, if I didn't talk about anything else, I would say, yes, we definitely need to look at supplementation. Yeah. Wow. That, oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's, let's do a, a few more um, specifics of how magnesium helps um, situations. Lots of people are having issues with digestion. How mm -hmm. does that play into that? Um, so first of all, it plays in two roles. And so most often in digestion, we need to look at bowel movements. Um, that is a very important part of digestion. If you can't have bowel movements, um, there's something going on within that bacteria, the microbiome. Um, and so magnesium is a, a great way of getting motility, getting bowels moving while we're working on the microbiome, right? So it's great. It's not a, I don't like using it as a okay, here you go, you're on this for the rest of your life and you know, see you later. No, we wanna make sure those bowels are moving. Citrate, magnesium citrate is beautiful at doing that job. And then we can look at doing the underlying work. Also, uh, magnesium is, uh, plays a role in our actual gut bacteria. So magnesium comes in and is like a, almost like a food for our bacteria um, and is allowing the good bacteria to kind of flourish. So, but if we have backups, then we're going to have more bad bacteria building up. And then you see that this becomes like a dysbiosis kind of case. So it's very good for digestion that way. Um, and that is probably the most important reason I use magnesium for um, people who do have constipation or have trouble having consistent bowel movements. And remember, this is also how we get estrogen out, mm. right? No bowel movements, estrogen is not coming out. So remember that comp enzyme, it sends it to the intestines and then this is how we excrete it. So if you're not having bowel movements, this part's working great, but if this part's backed up, we're back to recycling our estrogen, right? So um, it's very important that we get things moving and magnesium citrate is wonderful at doing that. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, let me ask you something about your practice. Okay, you apparently use magnesium for a lot of different things in your practice. It seems like it's pretty common. Have you ever had a patient that just did not respond at all, make any difference from the supplementation? Um, not from magnesium, but from the form of magnesium. 
Mm. So knowing which form to take is really, really important. Um, there are many forms of magnesium out there. Um, and I think that is also the issue. So a lot of the times I do have clients and patients come in and they say, oh, but I'm already taking magnesium. It doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, so what kind of magnesium are you taking? Oh, I'm taking magnesium oxide. Here's the bottle. And I'm like, okay, that's the problem. <laughs> um, magnesium oxide, we don't absorb it. It's a cheap supplement that they put into magnesium supplements and that they sell. And yet in all of the research, we cannot absorb magnesium oxide. So if your supplement contains that, then you're likely not getting many of the benefits because it's a good laxative. That's about it. Um, so it really, really depends on the form of magnesium. And so I have seen that. I've seen where they've said, I'm on this, but it's not working. And they're on the wrong form. Once we get the form changed over and, you know, sometimes it's also timing when you're dispensing magnesium. So for people who can handle it, because magnesium sometimes does give GI discomfort on an empty stomach. But if you dose magnesium on an empty stomach, you do get better results, but not everybody can handle that. So that's also something that we have to work with, with, with individuals. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you have any rule of thumb of what types to take for various issues? Like, is there like, okay, if you have this, take this, if you have this, take this form. Right. So, um, I, yes. So, and I have a great infographic on um, one of my platforms that kind of goes I'll through. add it. No yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what it is, so the, I don't say the top. So we'll start with bisglycinate. Bisglycinate is like a great all general um, around kind of magnesium. We are, it's highly absorbable. It's well tolerated. It comes in chelated or buffered form, which means that chelated has more magnesium available. Um, buffered has less magnesium, but you can then take it on an empty stomach because the GI stuff is kind of taken care of. And um, it kind of touches on if you wanted a nice general all around magnesium, you could give bisglycinate. It's probably the one I prescribe most often. Then we have citrate, which we talked about, which is really great for like digestion. It's also great for sleeping. So if you like, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone here because you could give it at night and it could help with the constipation and with sleep if they have insomnia or sleep issues. And then we have malate and malate is muscles, joint pain, fibromyalgia, those types of things, really, really great um, for that. And then we have L3 and 8, which if you have, I use this with a lot of my anxiety, depression patients, because it's the only form of magnesium that crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it has a really great effect on um, the brain. And I actually use three and eight. I had an aneurysm that um, burst in my carotid artery a couple of years ago. Ooh. Yeah. So I had to have some brain surgery done. And so there was oh. brain inflammation and I take L3 and eight and it has done so much for like, even my neurologist is like, wow, you have like no inflammation. And I'm like, wow. thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so that's very much for cognitive stuff. So, you know, anxiety, depression, mood, um, memory, 
those kinds of things. It works really well. And then I also use magnesium taurate, which um, is more heart cardiovascular. So if you, some, I'm dealing with people who have maybe arrhythmias or um, some cardiovascular issues, I'll, I'll look at taurate um, in that instance. And then of course we have your Epsom salts, right? Your sulfate. I wanted to ask so, about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then that's obviously a transdermal application. Yeah. I don't recommend drinking it or eating it. <laughs> but some people have done this, so I'm, I'm not recommending that. Oh, wow. I yeah. did not know that. Explain yeah. how Epsom salt works. I mean, what, what is it actually doing versus like if you were to take a pill supplement? Okay. So Epsom salt is um, sulfate. So it's going to absorb through the skin. Um, so obviously when you have an Epsom salt bath, you're putting it in hot water, hot water opens our pores, and then uh, the Epsom salt is in the water and you're absorbing it transdermally. There is not clear research to say how much you are absorbing. Mm. So we don't know exactly, but we know that some of it is absorbed. So it's going to come into the system and it's mostly going to do like a lot of relaxation. So if you're stressed or you have a lot of muscle pain, joint pain, it's going to help that because it's kind of going everywhere and it's in the circulation and it's coming through the skin. And if you're in a bathtub, it's pretty well coming through everywhere from neck to toe, right? So, um, so you're getting a nice, even um, kind of incoming stream of magnesium. Um, so that's really what it's used for, um, more so for rest, relaxation, and um, muscle joint stiffness, pain kind of stuff. So it's I definitely not a substitute. No, I don't think it, I would use it as a substitute. I would always use it in addition. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, as far as supplements go, what should somebody look for um, when they're trying to find a good brand? Because let's face it, most supplements out there are pure crap and they have, you know, additives and stuff like that. Is there anything to look for or to make sure we don't get or that we want to get? Yes, definitely. So we want to look at the ingredients for sure. So you would be surprised how many supplements I've come across where, and this is in the magnesium world, where they've added A, oxide, like I spoke about. They like to add that in. I always say to people, if it contains oxide, just put it back. Because the problem there is there's no distinction. It doesn't say that there's 10 milligrams of oxide. It says there's oxide and malate and glycinate. So we have no idea. And chances are 95% of that supplement is oxide and the rest is that. So you're really not getting what you're what you should be getting. So definitely look for that. Look for like the additional non-medicinal ingredients. Um, yes, there's going to be ingredients because they have to make the capsule out of something, right? So whether you get a capsule or a gel capsule or whatever, there's going to be some ingredients there. But if you see color in there or aluminum in there, put it back. I mean, I don't know why it's in there. I don't know, you know, what the purpose of it is, but I have seen these supplements and they're out there. So, and people are purchasing them. So definitely uh, those are the two big things I've seen. And then the oxide. Yeah. So definitely just look for a supplement that says this contains magnesium bisglycinate at this amount of dosage. Um, most of them are like somewhere between hundred and 200 milligrams. Yeah. 
Okay, so you mentioned a bunch of symptoms, you know, like you take this form for this, this form for that. What if you have all those symptoms that you need help in all those areas? Do you need to take a separate uh, specific one or is there something that's in combination that is good? Yes, so they do sell combinations and you can definitely mix and match your magnesium forms. So what I do in practice is unless I'll usually give the bisglycinate because it's a nice all general form, but let then if there's something else, usually they have one other issue that's really hard. So whether it's constipation or they have a lot of muscle or joint pain or they have, you know, anxiety, whatever, then I will give the additional specific form. Or what I've also done is a lot of my fibromyalgia patients, they now have the bisglycinate, the malate, um, and um, the citrate in one um, kind of dose, like in one supplement, I guess. And there's a nice healthy balance of each. And so I like to sometimes even do that with um, some really tricky, tricky stuff, like where we're dealing with more um, of the, you know, they're having problems in more areas than one specific one. But usually I'll start with a bisglycinate and then I'll front load whatever the massive issue is going on. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But it's okay. definitely fine to, to mix and match the, the magnesium. Dang, we're already ah, almost close to time. Bummer, bummer, bummer. That was too quick. Yeah. Okay. But so, I think actually you hit most of what I really wanted to hit on. Um, yeah. Wow, I also did great. Yeah. So, and if, I mean, I have a magnesium ebook that I wrote that has, Ooh everything in there that we've talked about and yeah and um it's it's got recipes and all the research and i've i've put in all the research papers and stuff like that too so people can look at it if they wanted to um because i mean i know a lot of people don't want it to be so nice sciencey and nerdy but <laughs> some people do so it's there for those people so yeah so <laughs> i um yeah, I just thought I had to like do something to get all this because a lot of people, especially on my platform on Instagram are like, Oh, can you put everything together? So we know that it's all there and blah, 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 blah. And so I did that um, while we were shut down during this pandemic. So awesome. uh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Productive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it took many, many hours, but I've got it together. It's like 50 pages and it's all on magnesium. So. Wow. That's awesome. I will definitely put a link below. And before we go, yes. is there anything that we didn't discuss that you want to just put out there or do you have any advice for, you know, those of us who are still not, you know, magnesium, um, you know, scholars, whatever. <laughs> I think my only advice is if you are having a lot of gnawing symptoms that you just can't resolve, try magnesium. Awesome. I always like to say magnesium is nice. It's not just nice. It's so essential. And I find like when patients come in with symptoms they've had for so many years and they've tried so many things when I give them something as simple as magnesium, they see an improvement and that is just incredible. And I think, so if you've been like having a symptom that you just can't get rid of or can't get an improvement on, try out some magnesium. 
you've sold me. Okay, okay, I'm going to get a magnesium <laughs> supplement. But do you have a brand or um, any, any specific one that you recommend that you've found is very helpful? I know you're in Canada and that's probably different yeah. than what you can get, but... It is. It is. Um, here in Canada, I like using Designs for Health. I believe they are in the States. Um, they have a really great glycinate product. They have a really great malate product. Um, and then in Canada, we also have a company called Canprev, which carries um, the bisglycinate and um, the malates and we also have L3 and 8 by that company. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what brands you have in the States, but I think if you just look at the ingredients, make sure that there isn't any color or heavy metals in there and making sure that we're not seeing oxide in there as one of the main ingredients, then I think you're probably going to be fine. And just a, a distinction, bisglycinate and glycinate are the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're not too different. Yeah. So some companies call it glycinate and some companies call it bisglycinate. So it's the, to know. the same molecule. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So, so where can people find you? Just quickly go over, you know, where they can get in contact with you. So um, I am really active on Instagram. So you can find me at yes, Dr. R. Boger. <laughs> um, and I have tons of magnesium posts there. And I talk about it a lot there. And I always uh, post the most relevant research in my story. So yeah, that's where I'm very active. Um, and then I also have my website, which is barboger.com. Awesome. I will put it all below. No worries. Great. So uh, it has been fantastic talking to you. I've learned so much and I will be checking out a supplement for sure. I'm going to do it and then I'll have to let you know what's going on. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So y'all subscribe, follow Dr. Barb. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think I'm going to have to have you on again or do a live with you or something because I have yeah. a feeling I'm going to get a lot of feedback on this. So yeah. you're probably going to yeah. have to be a re reoccurring guest. <laughs> I would love that. And yeah, perhaps alive later, we should do look into something like that for sure. That would be fun. Our yes. Instagram people. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for you are so welcome. Thank you for being on. It has been so much fun. And you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. I'm going back to patients now. <laughs> oh, I'm going back to grandbaby. So there you go. Ah, love that. Love that. Well, thank you. Bye, Dr. Barb. Take care. Bye-bye.